You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode 119 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm not Carl Stebbins, I am in fact Matt Smith and I'm sat in the PTUK studios, which is a little bit strange, and I'm all on my own. Uh, that's because someone else, uh, who will for the moment remain nameless, I'm kidding, of course, uh, somebody else is busy sunning himself on rather luxurious location, it has to be said. Uh, good morning, Carlos. And a good morning from the sunny island of Malta. Now, Hello, I ha- everyone. I have to say, uh, that background, uh, the blue skies, and uh, it's, just, it's just looking... Oh, absolute- you can probably see a Ryanair 737-800 just going behind me there. Right. You might be able to see it on the camera. Okay, good. You might not. <laughs> Let, let's hope not, uh, if it's Ryanair. But uh, yes, anyway. So are you, I assume you're having a lovely time? Oh, it's lovely. It's, it's incredibly hot. Good, good. Well, that's what I like to hear. Now, anybody who's, uh, who's listened to the show regularly knows I, I don't like to shy away from the occasional technical challenge. Uh, and this week, as I'm in the studio all on my own, is no different. Uh, so instead of having just one Skype guest on the line, I've actually gone completely bananas. I haven't got two either. I do, in fact, have three. So if everybody could say, please, good morning to the legend that is Pilot Pip and Captain Al. Morning, chaps. Good morning to you. Morning, everyone. Splendid. Yes, so uh, we've finally got uh, sort of video sort of working with regard to uh, multiple calls. So this is a real challenge. Uh, and let's just hope all the lines held up. Uh, if it goes very quiet, you'll know why. Uh, it's because I've had a nervous breakdown. But uh, yes, uh, let's. Uh, Carlos's battery is running out very, very quickly. So uh, we'll, we're going we'll, to. We'll cope. We'll, we'll cope. cope. We'll cope. So uh, I think what we should do. Um, oh, actually, before I get started, Carlos, I'm afraid I do have a little bit of a confession to make um, with regard to um, where I've been staying, obviously, because I'm staying in the lovely Peter UK Towers, as you know. Um, and uh, I was at work uh, in London on Tuesday, uh, and I'm afraid to say that I had uh, a little bit of, um, I, well, I suppose you would probably call it vandalism occur here at uh, PTUK Tower. Oh, it's brilliant. You should see his face. Um, oh, it sounds <laughs> ominous. <laughs> it does indeed. If you'd just like to check your phone, uh, I've just sent you a couple of photos. Uh, as I say, we had a bit of a break-in overnight, I'm afraid. If you're watching in YouTube, you can see it now. Uh, we had a bit of a break-in, I'm afraid, and your van was vandalised. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> Oh, dear. Yes, indeed. So not quite really sure what to, to, <laughs> oh, what to say about that. Um, oh, no, the beautiful TriStar van. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh it's, it's no more. It, it's been brought up to date. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to dip my van in a vat of, um, of acid to remove said decals, I think. Indeed. I'm afraid that it's not just the side that got done, I'm afraid. Uh, there's also the front uh, bonnet was... Uh, updated as well so um as i say i can only apologize carlos i'm afraid i was in london at the time it happened i have a i have a distinct feeling that uh, a certain uh, captain uh, of the owl has something to to (gasps) do with this i think Uh, uh, the the fact that i've got spray paint on my fingers is is no indication (laughs) of anything that's that's you know you can't implicate me in this crime (laughs) <laughs> Want a bet? I did try. I did be, be honest. I did try and get a decal, but the, there was wasn't enough time, so I just had to get a stencil and some spray paint. Right. Do you know, the, the trouble is, the trouble is, Al has to remember that he is staying uh, in the same hotel as me and Matt at Farnborough this year. 
Oh, oh are you? Oh, dear. Mm. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is going to end very badly. Anyway, uh, enough of this. Uh, I've need... already put the itching powder in your bed, Carlos. Oh, splendid. All right. Okay. Yeah, well, I've, I've put the uh, broken biscuits in your bed, Al. Oh, no, we'll like that. that. No, that's fine. That's, 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 that's not going to put him off, is it? <laughs> This is, this, is a man who's, oh this is a man who's obsessed with McDonald's. I don't think a few biscuits is going to bother him. <laughs> anyway, uh, right, uh, back to the task at hand, obviously. It is um, Saturday morning. It's a, quite early this morning. It is now rapidly approaching 20 past 8. It is Saturday the 2nd of July. This is episode 119. So I think, uh, gents, if uh, you're all ready, I think it's time to do some aviation news. Shall we do so? Yes, let's get on with it. Ready here? Yeah, go for it. So, uh, I don't know who's going to uh, kick off. I presume it's you, Carlos, is it? Are you going to be in charge as usual? Oh, well, I might as well, you know, yeah. being someone holding all that. <laughs> so, Indeed, absolutely. The, the first news story on uh, the BBC News website, and it's uh, regarding the Egypt Air Crash Flight MS-804 black box. And uh, according to the reports on the BBC website here, they are confirming smoke. So the black box recordings from crashed Egypt Air MS-804 confirmed smoke on board, the Egyptian investigators have said. The flight from Paris to Cairo plunged into the Mediterranean Sea on the 19th of May, killing all 66 people on board. Electronic uh, automated messages sent by the plane had shown that smoke detectors went off in the toilet and the avionics area below the cockpit minutes before the plane disappeared. The recorded data and consistent, uh, is consistent with those messages investigators have said. The voice and flight data recorders known as black boxes were recovered from a depth of around 3,000 metres in the Mediterranean. Wow, that's deep. Uh, the second black box to recorder is at Paris at the uh, BEA. Uh, the Egyptian Investigation Committee also said that part of the front section of the aircraft wreckage showed signs of a high temperature damage and soot. Uh, no distress call was made from the plane prior to the crash, and the cause remains unknown. Now, I know they've sent uh, these boxes to the BEA, I think, because they had an issue with uh, assault uh, ingress in the uh, actual data recorders themselves. So I think the uh, French guys are going to try and repair those and get as much data as they can off these boxes. But there's been a lot of chat lately, um, and Pip and Al will know this, that uh, they're trying to sort of talk about different ways of, uh, of uh, designing some kind of new black box as such or something that could possibly be uh, jettisoned from the aircraft or something like that. Um, I'm guessing you guys have heard about that. Pip, have you heard about that? Have you got a mouthful? Um, he, he's on mute, I think. He's not, oh, he's not talking. <laughs> he's, he's got a mouthful of bacon bat. Right, right. I'm, on, I'm on for the chocolate muffin now. Uh, uh, right, okay. Uh, with regards to the, uh, <laughs> the flight data recorders, uh, whilst Pip fills his face, because he obviously didn't get up early enough to have a proper breakfast <laughs> no. like the rest of us. Stop yeah. it. Um, yeah, it's always been a little bit of a problem locating these things. They have pingers on them that can last for a reasonable period of time. Um, but obviously when something's 3,000 metres, you know, uh, beneath the surface of the sea, that's quite a long way down. And mm. uh, uh, recovering them is obviously vital to trying to establish exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be very difficult to design something that is easily jettisonable. 
yeah. but doesn't just depart the aeroplane when you're not anticipating it. So I think they mm. do have a little bit of a challenge because you've got to secure these things in quite a, uh, an area of the aeroplane that's going to survive impact. So that's why they tend to be down at the tail because most aeroplanes don't reverse into hills. <laughs> Depends on who's driving them, I think. <laughs> well, I'm sure... Carlos's driving skills will be infinitely improved now he's in the Airbus fan. Right. You know, he doesn't have to run <laughs> worry about an engine falling off no, or anything indeed. like that. You know. So. I, I mean, I, actually, I mean, I, not that as I say, and I know absolutely nothing about um, about these things to be honest with you. But I, I'm, I, I, I think more more the way forward is actually the, the black box data recorder information is being broadcast continuously to a secure some server somewhere in the world as the ability to sort of stream data if you like becomes much easier than than it always you know i mean it's getting easier all the time i mean surely that's the answer actually it's not worrying about jettisoning stuff but actually well, make that that information easily accessible because it's already on a server somewhere to be honest a lot of that data already is in a way streams live uh, on Airbuses and Boeing's, so all the data is being, I don't know if it's constant, but it's being sent back. Is that um, the ACAR system? The HQs, yeah, through ACARs all the time. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of that data that's in the FDR, and this, well, not the CVR, but the FDR will already be, um, you know, uh, available to them. Um, but actually, interestingly, because, you know, I even if you were able to stream the live data, that wouldn't really help prevent accidents. It's certainly good for accident investigation, yeah. but it's not going to prevent anything. One of the other areas that's, uh, that causes some degree of problem with this is, um, uh, Matt, you have uh, a tachograph on your coach. I do, yes. Um, now, one of the areas that causes some concern is with regards to privacy. Mm. Uh, because if you're streaming uh, live data, then there's no reason why that couldn't be uh, live CVR, if you like, looking yeah. further ahead. I mean, at the moment, let's be honest, it's very difficult to watch Netflix on a flight, let alone stream yeah. continuous data from thousands of aeroplanes at the same time. True. But moving forward, when we can get that sort of international bandwidth in the air, mm. um, would you like your bosses to know what you do on your coach when the passengers aren't on it, for example? Um, to be honest, well, I mean, to be honest with you, actually, in the coaching world, certainly, uh, I know they're actually looking, looking into and systems are being implemented that do exactly that, where the information is actually not downloaded to the boss, but it's actually being downloaded to the VOSA, which is like all, all the Vehicle Driving St Standards Agency. Yes. Um, and, you know, they're, they're talking about having trans transponders and things on traffic lights and all sorts that are, are lifting the data from your pod if you like, and, and passing it on or wherever. So, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't, I personally don't really have a problem with what I get up to on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, whether I've got passengers on board or not, um, sort of, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm driving a vehicle that doesn't belong to me, and so I tend to look at it and respect it as the fact that that vehicle, if they put one on my own car, that would be a different story altogether, if you saw me. But because that vehicle doesn't do. belong to, because that vehicle uh, doesn't belong to, me. there must be occasions um, where you transgress some rule or regulation um, that causes no uh, safety implications. If, 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 my, if my boss is listening, of course not. Uh, indeed, um, <laughs> but you know, therefore, you know, mm. not reportable. Um, yeah. Etc. Etc. Yeah. But you suddenly find yourself being sort of hauled in to justify why you did this. Mm. 
Now, I'm not suggesting that, you know, as a matter of routine, airline pilots break the rules. No. Um, but we do have standard operating procedures, yeah. which uh, sometimes get deviated from okay. for good reasons and bad reasons. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's just a sort of level of sort of uh, privacy of data, really. Mm. And equally, um, we now enter the realms of if data is being streamed uh, live, um, the integrity and security of that data mm. from people who may wish to use that data for terrorist activity yeah. um, becomes another issue that we have to look at. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we're now into the realms of if, if it's, you know, out in, in cyberspace, it's hackable. Yeah, that, no, and that that is a major concern, actually. I mean, uh, uh, Micah is actually saying in the chat room here, here in the US, certain auto insurance companies uh, give you a discount if you're willing to share data. Um, uh, as I say, I, 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 I think, um, I don't know, I don't know, I suppose, I suppose you've got to look at the, the lesser of the two evils. Is it more important that... Um, the, the data is easily accessible so that when you do get like this air crash that, that, that we've just had, obviously, so that if everything, you know, in this case where it sort of fell out of the sky, they can very easily um, uh, find out what, what went wrong and then sort of take Im Im immediate action. I mean, because that's the only thing that makes me slightly nervous. Say it, was, it wasn't a terrorist incident and something actually went wrong with the aeroplane. Uh, several months have gone by now where this aeroplane has been flying around with the same fault. What if it turned out to be a malfunction of the actual aircraft? Well, like, well, like the story said, they've they've you know they've mm. detected smoke or sooting around the the front uh, section of the aircraft, which is where I think that a lot of the ACARS messages or the uh, the issues they had the uh, fault messages were from the front half of the aircraft. So that you know, it's, I, I I still think it was possibly a, a, a mechanical fault yeah. of some description. I think, but yeah, we won't know. We yeah. don't know until they've. Um, They've, they've deciphered the boxes anyway. Indeed. Uh, and in answer, sorry, to uh, Ryan's um, question in, in the chat room, uh, sorry, we're not talking about coaches. This is a plain talking UK one. Uh, actually, if you, there, is a, there is a Flickr site, and if you search the company that I work for um, and, and uh, on, on Flickr, there is actually a, stop it, uh, there is actually a picture, sorry, pipped yawning, uh, there is actually a picture <laughs> of me going around Parliament Square on Tuesday in my coach uh, uh. that's appeared on the internet this week. So, uh, and I got my, my, a very serious face on concentrating, because if you go around Parliament Square and don't concentrate, you essentially, you know, you hear a loud bang or die. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, yes, anyway. So uh, moving on. Yes, so, indeed. So, so with regards to the, uh, the actual incident itself, there, there now seems to be uh, strong evidence to support the fact that there was smoke and or yeah. fire on board the aeroplane. But it's going to take some degree of investigation to determine whether that was started deliberately or not. Right. Yeah. 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 And will, will will the black box recorder be able to give you an indication of that? I mean, what other information does it? Um, it's going to be very difficult to. I mean, they're, they're talking about um, toilet smoke uh, detector activation. Uh, well, if it's the forward toilet, which I believe it is in this particular case, the forward toilet sits uh, pretty much on top of where the uh, all the avionics are, all of the electronics for the aeroplane. Mm. Uh, and I know that one of the other triggers was uh, avionic smoke. But if someone was to deliberately set fire to the forward toilet, you could quite easily get the replication of those messages mm. just simply by how um, you know, the smoke distributes around the aircraft. So 
trying to establish whether this was a technical failure or a deliberate yeah. act, um, you know, question mark terrorism is going to be very difficult to establish. Yeah. And of course, and unusually, uh, I mean, if, if there has been a terrorist sort of incident type thing, somebody's usually claimed responsibility for it by now. Um, yes, that's, that's true. Um, um, and, you know, it seems to be that uh, no one has stepped forward, but the Egyptians themselves were fairly quick in saying, rightly mm. or wrongly, we will yet to find out, that they didn't believe it was a technical failure. Right. And have more sort of pointed the finger towards terrorism. That, that right. was the, the immediate aftermath, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. I, I, are we ever going to know? That's the question, I suppose. Let's hope so. Yeah. Anyway, we really should move on, uh, uh, <laughs> on to the next story, and uh, this is on the Travel Pulse website. Uh, the headline is, More Comfort But No Power in Southwest's New Seats. Um, this uh, is, is a lovely picture there, which I will just pop up on, on the, uh, the uh, uh, YouTube feed, if you are watching on there. Uh, it says, Southwest Airlines quietly rolled out changes to the interior of its aircraft cabins this month, beginning with three of its Boeing 737-800 aircraft. Um, uh, the seats were first unveiled at the Aircraft Interiors Expo in Hamburg, Germany, last April. The new seats were designed and engineered by B-E Aerospace, uh, and Southwest is the first to have them. The new aircraft seats are the widest economy seats available in the single-aisle 737 market and offer a unique design that gives our customers uh, what they ask for, more space, said uh, Bob Jordan, Southwest Executive Vice President and Chief Commercial Officer, serving uh, at the uh, sorry, serving as the launch customer for this seat is just one of several upcoming milestones related to our bold new look launched in September of last year, and is specifically aimed at enhancing our customer experience. I got to experience the new seats for myself while touring one of the planes in Denver. If you fly Southwest regularly, the first thing you'll notice is that the colour change. The seats, uh, the seating surface is now completely blue. From top to bottom, South, uh, South when, Southwest's previous seat called Evolve was mostly tan with blue head cushions. Speaking of head cushions, for the first time, Southwest new seats have adjustable headrests uh, that can be raised and lowered. In addition, the sides can be folded in so you can lean over and be braced by something softer than your neighbour's shoulder. Well, that's always mm. nice. I won't sort of go on really, essentially, because it's uh, otherwise it ends up. Yeah, being I'm, being I'm surprised. You know, this is but, this is a low-cost carrier, as we all know. Southwest are a huge, huge, huge uh, low-cost carrier in the states, and uh, you know, I. I always thought that their uh, kind of theory was get as many people as you can in. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, but no, I mean, why bother with the, all the lovely comforts of uh, movable headrests and stuff like that when most of their flights are relatively short flights, you know, sort of two, maybe three-hour flights? It's to be honest with you, it's probably because they just got a discount on, on, on the seats if they were willing to be the launch partner or something. I mean, I don't really know how these things work, but um, you never know. They might do slightly further long haul. So what, what was that aircraft again? That's a 737-800. That's the uh, same as what Ryanair use. Right. Are you sure? Oh. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. I think yes, it, it might is. be something else. They have got 700s as well. It's definitely not an Airbus, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Really? <laughs> okay, it's, it's descending into chaos already. Anyway, on to the next story. Which <laughs> one of you chaps would like to, uh, to take this one, then? Oh, dear. Uh, Pip, we'll go with you. We haven't heard from you for a little while. Okay. 
So the next story <laughs> is wow. Is, I'm definitely not stalling for time while I look it up. No. <laughs> I've got it all here ready to go. <sighs> Splendid. Okay. Wow. Right. <laughs> Discount airline brings oh, I've got a window in the way. Brings its $99 Europe fares to New York. Ooh. And there's a lovely picture there of a wow aircraft. What is that aircraft down? Um well, I don't know. I think that looks like a Boeing, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, that's a, a 757, I think. <laughs> or is Carlos? it 747? I'm not sure. Only that's an A380, I think. <laughs> right. The Icelandic discount carrier, known for its $99 fares to Europe, is coming to the USA's biggest city. Wow Air will begin flying from Newark Liberty International Airport on November 25th, offering daily non-stop service to its hub in Iceland. Connecting service is offered to 21 other European destinations. Uh, somebody says, we've been working towards direct flights to New York for quite some time, so I'm thrilled to now be able to offer infamous $99 fares to Iceland from New York, says Scully Mogerson, well Wow's founder and CEO. Uh, indeed, the airline's $99 one-way fares were available Wednesday morning for flights between New York and Wow's hub, near the Icelandic capital of Reykjavik. Uh, fares to cities like London, Dublin, Berlin, Amsterdam and Frankfurt were available for as low as 149 bucks each. Uh, each way, sorry. That puts the United Kingdom, Ireland and mainland Europe within reach of New Yorkers for less than a $300 round trip uh, through the cheapest fares... I can't read it. Though the cheapest fares are capacity controlled and are not offered every day of the week. Uh, so that's good, isn't it? Well, absolutely, because it means that the England team can go out to Iceland to get some training in and not spend a lot of money. Indeed. Well, that is true. That is true. <laughs> oh, no. Right. That is cheap, though, I must say. It admit. is cheap, absolutely. Yeah. And, and they Iceland, can learn to be Iceland, dentists Iceland, at the same time. They can learn to be yeah. dentists. I know about the, the, the football wasn't that the greatest thing in the world, but Iceland is one of those really amazing countries that I would love to visit. So. It is. It's absolutely. a fantastic country, actually. Um, and I, th uh, I think it... I think it's it worth mentioning, uh, as, as uh, Captain Al is flying the flag very, um, very poignantly there in the background, I do think it worth mentioning they did rather well last night themselves, the old Welsh, didn't they? Well, boy, Absolutely. Well, yeah. yeah, we're teaching you a lot how to play football, aren't That's we? That's true. Yes, yes. It, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, before it all goes into... Carl's, uh, Al, if you'd like to take the next one, this is Airliner World. Yes, uh, this is the uh, first Dash 9 for Thompson. Ah. Thompson Airways has taken delivery of its first Boeing 787-9 binliner, <laughs> the aircraft Golf Tango Uniform India Juliet, arrived in Manchester, it should have been going to Gatwick, but it arrived in Manchester, <laughs> on June 28th under the command of the carrier's managing director, John Murphy, who flew the jet direct from Boeing production line in Charleston, South Carolina. We're delighted to welcome the first 787-9 into our fleet, he remarked. Since we took delivery of the first bin liner in May 2013, the aircraft has been a big hit with our customers and received excellent feedback. We're committed to investing in our fleet to innovate our customers' flying experience. The 345-seat 787-9 wears the titles of parent TUI ahead of Thompson Airways. Now, that's an interesting deviation from the norm, I think. Mm. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, this, this Dreamliner is uh, British Carrier's 10th Dreamliner in total.
joiners, it, it, its existence of a fleet of nine seven eight seven dash eights. Right, Carlos, what's the difference between a dash eight and a dash nine? Because I don't particularly know because it's a Boeing. <laughs> the the dash nine is slightly more stretched. It's got about an extra, I think it's about an extra ten or twelve feet of fuselage. So a couple of hundred extra passengers then in that 10 or 12 feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. There is right. that. It, it was expected to have entered service on the Manchester-Malaga route on July 1st before making its long-haul debut to Montego Bay on July 15th. It was expected. Does that imply that it didn't actually happen then? Well, there's no great surprise there then, is it, with it being a Boeing? <sighs> uh, Carlos, just look behind you, will you? <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, someone's going to get you. <laughs> what's what's occurring there? Actually, can you actually read by that? No, I can't. There. I can't. It's not the definition isn't quite good enough. All right. It says hello, mum. Oh right. <laughs> right. Okay. Splendid. Oh, uh, oh dear. <laughs> I told you. I was. I told you I was going to lose control of this broadcast, didn't I? Uh, right. Anyway, what were we talking about? I can't remember. <laughs> we're we're talking about the, the, the Dreamliners. And the new Dash Nine there. for Thompson. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Good, excellent. Well, well done. So, what, so, so, so it's basically just the the, the, the difference between the eight and the nine is essentially uh, well, slightly well, longer. Slightly stretched. Yeah, slightly stretched. Slightly yeah. stretched. Yeah. Okay. Good. It's, right. it's, it's a bit like what Airbus done with the, the 320. Yeah, they wanted to pile some more people in, so they they renamed <laughs> it the 321 and they crammed some more seats in and stuff. So. Right. Oh dear. Right, anyway, moving on. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's, I can't stop laughing now. Right, uh, anyway, so you're going to take the next one, Carlos? Yes, on the next story, which is on the... Uh, God, blimey. <laughs> is on the Airliner World site, and the headline, End of the Line for VLM. Oh dear, this is another airliner, unfortunately, we are in the process of losing... Uh, VLM Airlines have suspended operations after filing for bankruptcy, announcing the grounding uh, and the grounding in a statement. The carrier's website said that we are sorry uh, to uh, have or to inform you that VLM Airlines uh, filed for bankruptcy on Wednesday, the 22nd of uh, June 2016. All flights were cancelled with immediate effect. The troubled Antwerp-based carrier CEO Hamish Davidson revealed the company had requested six months protection from creditors to restructure its business. Uh, planned changes included the consolidation of its network and the sale and leaseback of its fleet of Fokker 50s. Uh, but VLM later admitted six months would not be sufficient to raise additional capital. Uh, Davison said the problems have been uh, exasperated, exasperated by uh, a raft yes. of passenger cancellations during a two-week period uh, between uh, applying for protection and acceptance. Uh, the airline's financial difficulties were attributed by the CEO to KBC's bank decision to freeze the company's accounts in early May. VLM reported uh, reportedly owes three million euros to the bank, which is tiny by uh, some airline standards, I think, uh, plus a further three million to other suppliers, including Antwerp Airport, and posted a loss of 13 million euros last year, uh, leading it to cancel an order for two Sukhoi Superjet 100s. I mean, it's never nice to see an airline going bankrupt, because um, that obviously means people lose jobs. Um, um, Absolutely, and I mean, it's a shame they weren't able to keep going a bit longer because they could have helped take all the Belgian fans back to Belgium after the football. Right, <laughs> oh, right, yes. Uh, yeah. But oh, in all seriousness, go on, Pep, go on. Is VLM flight to, to Norwich? Is that one of your local 
VLM. No, that's KLM. KLM, yeah, that's KLM that flies mm -hmm. to us. Yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, it's not one. I, I thought that when I first saw the story. I thought, oh, I, 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 because I, 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 I missed, didn't quite sort of read it right, and I thought KLM actually. That, but um, I mean, I, no, I must admit, no. I don't know VLM. I mean, I didn't. They've been VLM around, been around, around some time. They've operated in the the sort of periphery. I know they operated uh, Liverpool to London City for quite a while. Right. Um, and uh, I was over in uh, Waterford uh, a few weeks back, and they operate a twice-daily service between Waterford and London City. Right. So I'm guessing, Pip, you've probably seen them uh, whilst you've been down at City, haven't you? I guess I probably would have done. <laughs> but I mean, that, that, nothing that springs to mind, like clearly. Yeah, I think it was a nice company. I've, I've, a few of my colleagues now at SafeJets are ex-VLM. Uh, and I gather it was a very nice place, uh, a very nice company to work for. Yeah, as, as Carlos says, though, it's always very sad when, when a carrier sort of basically decides they can't carry on anymore. I mean, it is a... Yeah, as, it as is, Tony it is says a in the chat room, um, poor little fuckers. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it is a shame. <laughs> It is a shame. I'm sorry, yes, it, I, I, apologies to the people in the chat room. As you can imagine, with uh, uh, several guests all online, I'm not able to give the chat room the usual level of attention. I'll get Carlos to, to run through the names of who's in there in uh, a moment. Of course, you know, with, with less uh, Fokker 50s and things out there flying, it's, it's uh, far fewer comedy opportunities on the radio for us pilots. <laughs> we have hours of fun when we're told to line up behind Fokkers or give way to Fokkers. Right. You can imagine the chaos that I, I can't the imagine the chaos. It was a great film, though. It was a great film. <laughs> what, what, meeting them, you mean? Yeah, meeting them, yeah. yeah meet, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay, right. Uh, on to the next story, then, uh, and I'll take this one. It is uh, on Aviation Week Network, and the headline is Boeing 737 MAX prepares for international debut at Farnborough. Oh, this is exciting. Yay. So, presumably, we'll, uh, we'll get to see this. Now, exciting is not the word I would use. No. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Right. Okay. Uh, Are you pro Airbus? Farnborough is exciting. Right. But then you go and sort of like degrade the sentence by putting boing in it, don't you? Right. Boing. Right. Okay. Are you not keen on, uh, on, on um, Boeing's by any chance? Are you an Airbus man by any chance? <laughs> Matt, just yeah, call and, it and the... Carlos has joined in as well now because he now has, you know, a fantastic liveried van. He does indeed. That is true. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's the Boeing 737 Burger King. It's there we go, that, that's more palatable for Al. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, yes, on that bomb, bombshell. Yes, uh, so anyway, the headline is, Boeing is, the final, is in the final stages of preparing its 4737 MAX test aircraft for a transatlantic flight to Farnborough Air Show, where it will make its international debut by appearing at the flying display uh, on, on, between July the 11th and 14th. The presence of the 737-8 at the show is intended to start a key marketing phase for the re-engined narrowbody family. The company is on track to obtain type certification of the first of the re-engined twin variants in the first quarter of 2017. Uh, I can't read any more of the story because apparently I need to subscribe to access this premium content. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunate. We don't we don't subscribe to that page. No, okay, but anyway, but you, you, you get, get the gist. The you get the gist. Anyway. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So it is the Boeing seven three seven Max, which Al, it, as as commented, is already very excited about coming to the Farnborough Air Show. And I intend on uh, taking uh, a picture of Al standing beside the aircraft um, with a smile on his face. I can't see that happening personally. <laughs> 
you might have to use Photoshop for that particular Right, uh, what, what, what for the smile or you standing near one? <laughs> uh, me standing near Right, one. okay. Oh, dear. I mean, there is a there is a uh, plain talking UK thousand pound or dollar because they are now one and the same yep, for uh, us, yes. price <laughs> yeah. uh, for a, for anybody who can get a photo of myself and Captain Nick at Farnborough smiling next to a right. Boeing. Oh, I, I thought perhaps it's maybe just smiling. Um, <laughs> oh, challenge accepted. Oh, okay. yes, it's coming coming out of the plain talking UK funds, of course. Is it yeah. right? Okay, well, thanks for that. Did, did, did Al consult with you on this one, Matt? Yeah, well, a picture of you two smiling. That might work. Yeah, uh, and no. In answer to your question, Carlos, no, I haven't been consulted on this, so uh, all accusations are denied. Uh, right. Uh, yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, it is uh, Cap. Uh, let's go, Pip. Kip, Pip, you've got the Pip, uh, Pip, next Pip. one. Pip. Yeah. Uh, so this is another flight global story. Uh, the headline story is. What are you mumbling at, Carlos? He says it's. He says it's another lovely. He's another lovely story. He says. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, Singapore Airlines triple seven three hundred ER has engine fire during landing. The Wright General Electric G ninety engine of a Singapore Airlines Boeing triple seven three hundred aircraft caught fire when the aircraft landed at Shangi International Airport following a turnback resulting from an engine oil warning. Flight SQ368 was operating from Singapore to Milan when an engine oil warning message forced the aircraft bearing the registration 9 Victor Sierra Whiskey Bravo to return to Singapore. The fire was put out by airport emergency services and there was no injuries to the 222 passengers and 19 crew on board, says Singapore uh, airlines in a Facebook post. A passenger video shows the entire right wing ablaze. Uh, a passenger was quoted in local media as saying that she could smell gasoline and another eyewitness said the right wing burst into flames after the aircraft landed. Uh, passengers disembarked the aircraft through stairs and were transported to the terminal by bus. Oh blimey. Uh, they will be transferred to another aircraft which is expected to depart Milan later today. Well I guess that already happens. Yeah. Uh, the airline will be cooperating fully with authorities in their investigation, said the carrier. Now, I mean, I, I actually posted this, uh, I, I saw a video, I uh, posted it on our Plane Talking UK uh, Facebook page, and it was, um, it was I mean, I, I, well, I, I joke saying I'm, I'm glad I wasn't on that aircraft, because I don't know. So, um, so what actually happened? What was the, what do we think the, uh, the well, you guys who know more about aircraft than I ever will, what actually um has occurred. I mean, how does it how does it even do that without the wing? Essentially? It caught fire. That's what happened. Right. Okay. Mm. Going to say the same thing after a thorough investigation. Yeah. I think I can say that it caught fire. Right. Okay. Yeah, but I'm, it looks like an oil fire because right. it doesn't appear to be. Uh, I know it looks quite dramatic. Yeah. And I'm going to talk to Pip afterwards about what his thoughts were about their decision not to evacuate the aeroplane. Mm. Um, but it. it it looks like a, like an oil fire that's, I appreciate it seems to be spreading to the wing, but of course there's paints and so forth in there which will burn, so it certainly doesn't look like a fuel fire to me, and I, I've right. only seen the video very briefly. Um, now if they had a, an oil leak, um, oil does burn and it makes a lot of smoke, and uh, you can get quite a reasonable flame out of burning oil. So it looks like they've had an oil leak. Uh, the oil has come in contact with some part of the engine that's very hot and the oil's caught fire. Um, and then it's just sort of slowly spread. Um, that, that's that's my thoughts. Um, um, uh, what are your thoughts, Pip? 
Yeah, I don't. I didn't see this one. It's just the first time I've seen it. Um, so the the aircraft was still on fire when they pulled up on the stand or wherever it was, and then they they disembarked by the air stairs. That is air stairs, isn't it? The, you know, you know what I mean. The, the, uh, <laughs> what a air stairs. The jetway. Yeah. We don't have little foldy out step ladders for our passengers to get on. You know, we have big trucks and right. things. <laughs> Air bridges. No, they, they didn't evacuate. They, they just uh, disembarked passengers by normal means. Right. Whilst the fire was still uh, raging. raging. Yeah. Yes. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure if interesting is the word. Terrifying is another one. I mean, you'd have thought that, because I mean, okay, all right. So as you say, possibly an oil fire, which would suggest perhaps that the, that, you know, the the fire was on the outside rather than anywhere inside type thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, presumably that kind of heat will will degrade, you know, because because the correct. Uh, I mean, the fuel is in the wings, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there have been several uh, accidents and incidents over the years where people have have been killed because flight crew mm. were dilly-dallying and, and discussing and, and not evacuating. There was yeah. the famous, was it Saudi Airlines, I think? Yes, it was, yeah. Uh, that was somewhere a lot of prevarication, wasn't there? And yeah, yeah whilst what, the whole cabin filled with smoke and people were burning to death, the guys in the front were, I don't know really? what they were doing, they were just checking. Yeah, yeah, I think they were doing the crossword, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's, uh, I mean, mercilessly, you know, thank goodness, I mean, no, nothing happened, if you like, nobody got hurt, and uh, and that's great, but, uh, I mean, it's uh, it's a very odd, it's a very odd sort of story, really, and, and, and well, thankfully, quite rare. Did you not find it rather strange that they didn't evacuate the aircraft straight away with that, um, with that Singapore Airlines, because they, they kind of all sat there and watched the, the, the wing merrily burn away? Yeah, on the surface, it does look very odd, a very a highly questionable decision. But without knowing all the details, I don't know. Mm. Um, you know where were they? Uh, what facilities were available? You know, an evacuation takes time. What was the? You know, I suppose you've got to look at the evolving situation. What, what's the? What's going to be happening in two or three minutes' time once everyone's starting to pile out of the aircraft? I don't know, it's such a dynamic situation. It's, it's hard to. To uh, to judge really without having been there, but I yeah on the surface of it, if there's a fire, a big fire like that, my instinct would be to get everyone off uh, as soon as possible. Before we move on to the next story, then Carlos, who have we got in the chat room this morning? This very silly early hour of the morning. So this silly early hour of the morning. Excuse the echo because I've just currently moved down into the pool area of the uh, villa. But we have in the chat room loads of uh, wonderful listeners this morning. We've got, uh, we've got Neville Bounds, he's in there, uh, obviously uh, chatting tech. Uh, we've got Myla, the lovely Myla, and the lovely Tony S. Uh, we've got someone called Pilot Pip. I've heard of him. Um, yeah. We've got uh, the main man, Micah. So hello to you, Micah. Give you a little wave there. Uh, we've got uh, Masha's in the chat room. Good morning to you, Masha. Thanks for joining yeah, us. David Corston. David he's Corston yep. is in the chat room as well. David Corston. And just scrolling up because we had a few new names I didn't recognise in the uh, in the chat room earlier on. Uh, just scrolling up to the top of the list here. Um, but there's there's a lot of crazy people who got up early, especially to join us. So thanks for that, guys. Yeah, we really absolutely. appreciate. It. My, my, uh, Benjamin, I think, I don't Benjamin think... Todd was oh, another cool. one. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Ryan as well. I seem to. Ryan remember. Harper. Yeah, yep. we had Ryan Harper in the chat room as well. Uh, we did have someone called Captain Al. Right. He, okay. Uh, he's 
well, he's kind of, I don't know, really, he's uh, disappeared. Yeah, so we, we, think, we think he's enduring a power cut, so hopefully he'll be rejo rejoining us shortly. Oh, uh, we did also have Dan Hannington as well. In the oh, chat. yes, first thing we did, yes. Yeah. Don't know whether Dan is still in there or not, but uh, no, a nice, a nice full chat room, um, which me and Matt really do appreciate. And Certainly obviously, do. So, so does Pip as well, and, yes. uh, and Captain <laughs> Al when he eventually gets from uh, yeah. Burger King. Absolutely, yeah. Do you think that's where Al's gone? As I say, I should just explain to our, to our listeners, uh, we're, we're, we're padding a little bit because um, one of our guests has disappeared, and apparently uh, we've been reliably informed there's been a bit of a power, power cut, essentially. So uh, it's, all, um, it's all, all gone horribly wrong. Um, okay, have you got the APU running, Al? Nevers asking. Um, well, I'm on standby power, so... Okay, get you. So, don't don't let the fumes in the uh, in the uh, cabin because you'll have um, people collapsing. Okay. Oh, yeah. don't worry, it's in the plant room. Don't worry, it's it's, in, it's okay. not even in the house. The generator, so it uh, it takes three seconds to power up. That's the only downside. You've got an emergency generator. Where do you live? <laughs> Cheshire. Good Lord. Do you not have such technology down south? Well, we don't need it. <laughs> we have reliable power sources. We have these things called power stations. Ah, right. Yes. I, I thought you were going to get one of your uh, your um, servants to uh, to do that for you, Al. <laughs> one of your servants, honestly. Well, one of the staff did go and check on the generator, but uh, yes. <laughs> you can check on the minions. Absolutely. Have you seriously got a backup generator? Yes, that's what I'm running on right now. <laughs> well, I'm, I, well, I'm, 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 I'm blown away, literally. Uh, anyway, right. Do you okay. have a bunker right. as well in the garden, <laughs> which are for bombs and stuff, you know, in case. Well, I am actually. In case the Cold War isn't now, over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next story. This is a picture story, and it's with you, Al. Okay, this is a fantastic story. Oh, German flag carrier Lufthansa's first Airbus A350-900 is nearing structural completion at the Toulouse final assembly line. The Rolls-Royce Trent XWB-powered aircraft, manufacturer serial number 74, will be registered as Delta Alpha India X-Ray Alpha. I thought they could have come up with something slightly more catchy than that, but anyway, <laughs> notwithstanding it. Lufthansa has not given a specific date for delivery, stating only that the aircraft will be stationed in Munich in the winter. The power plants have yet to be mounted on the airframe, and the A350 is still to undergo cabin interior fitting. Lufthansa is placing its first 10 A350s at its Munich hub. The aircraft will be configured with 293 seats, including 48 in business class and 21 in premium economy. Now, I have to say that when I was down in Madrid, I think it was last week, there were three A350s all on the same terminal as us, and they looked absolutely amazing. They were such a sexy sight that I had to go have a gold shower. That, stop it. Uh, <laughs> and I guess we should be grateful I got away with, lightly with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is certainly, uh, as I say, those watching in YouTube will have just seen, I've just flashed the picture of it. I mean, it's certainly going to be a lovely looking aircraft. It's, um, it's awesome. Is it? Excellent. Yes. Okay, so so uh, so structure, nearing structural completion presumably means it's a long way away from being flown yet. Uh, well, I mean, if it, if it's uh, going to be in Munich for the winter, uh, well, yep. that's uh, not that far off, is it? 
Indeed. Yeah, no, that's true. I think it's actually arrived. If anybody's listening in the UK, I think um, you know. We'll what winter has arrived? Yeah. I don't think. I don't think summer ever actually came. I, don't, I think. It's well, winter. technically, the nights are now closing in. Aren't that's they? true. Yes, actually, we're over the summer solstice. Actually, Al, are you hoping that Royal Jet um, are, are going to take some of these A350s on? Uh, it would be absolutely amazing if they did. I don't think that's actually part of the current financial plan. Right. Uh, but. Uh, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Royal Jet have a financial plan now. That's amazing. Oh yes. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, da- Very da- much so. David in and, the and, it, and it's not based on remaining in Europe either. Oh, so, uh, that's uh, a bit uh, like. Oh no, that, that yeah, actually, actually, David Wilson in the chat room has put that he thinks that the A350s look like they have a Zorro mask on. <laughs> Right. Yes, <laughs> that's actually a very good observation. They they do look uh, rather snazzy in that uh, department. Well, I should so hope maybe, so. He... Maybe Lufthansa should call their first A three fifty dash nine hundred Tonto. Indeed. Well, <laughs> Tonto. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's good news if if David's observation is excellent because he is currently training to be a pilot, and uh, uh, we're going to be chatting with David in a few weeks' time. Uh, about how his training is going. I've been talking to him this week about... Uh, Excellent. About Nothing wrong training. with your eyes. So no, absolutely. Up. A good start. A good start. But so, the 350, I think, is already in service with at least one airline, is it not? Oh, absolutely. With, um, there were three different yeah. carriers in Madrid. All just happened to be three in-service A350s all lined up. Uh, they'd all come from South and Central America. Mm. Um, and... Uh, uh, very nice they looked, too. Yeah, I'm sure I, I think Finnair. Sure I think I've Finnair have got one. Finnair, did you say, Carl? Yeah, I think yeah. Finnair have got one. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Right, okay. Is there an obvious difference if, if you were to look at one to tell it apart from a 787, apart from the fact that it won't be on fire? Well, absolutely, I was going to say. Yeah. First <laughs> Is that all, the only way first, to tell the difference? Well, and, and the fact that it's made it to its destination is serviceable. Okay, right. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, seriously, now time to move on to the next story. Carlos, this is with you. And uh, I, I can't remember where, I, I think one of the, the listeners in the chat room um, actually tweeted this to us. Um, but it's a great story. This is very exciting. A very, very young pilot. Yeah, this one is on the uh, ITV news site, and the headline, High Flying Teen Becomes UK's Youngest Airline Pilot. Uh, a 19-year-old uh, lad has become, officially become the UK's youngest pilot after fast-tracking his way to, uh, to a seat in the cockpit. Uh, Luke Ellsworth, who was appointed as a first officer for EasyJet in April, started his flying career just nine days after his 18th birthday when he enrolled on a pilot training program in Southampton. Uh, he now regularly flies the Airbus A319 and A320 aircraft. Great aircraft, uh, great aircraft. <laughs> speaking, uh, speaking about uh, how he felt having such a high-pressure job at a young age, Luke from Cheshire said uh, he didn't believe age was a factor when it came to being a good pilot. He I said, I, I really want to encourage more young people. if you're good enough to be there you've done the training and you're suited towards it then I don't think age is really an impact Luke completed a pilot training program at CTC Aviation which included a six month month training on simulators and a stint flying light aircraft in Arizona, USA in just 18 months before securing his high flying job and his status as the youngest airline pilot in the UK, which has been confirmed by the Civil Aviation Authority records. 
He later goes on to say that he hopes in the future that he will uh, get to fly a real aircraft such as the Boeing. <laughs> no, right. he didn't. Is there a small possibility that you might have made that last bit up? <laughs> actually, it's factually inaccurate, technically incorrect, and a right load of cardswallop. And, and you're just de degrading your own show by bringing such irrelevant, useless, and incoherent facts to what is normally a factually accurate show. <laughs> right, indeed. Yes. Um, <laughs> but no, get all, in all seriousness, I mean, it, it just goes to prove, look, I mean, look at that. How, I mean, he's literally just fresh from school yeah. and he's, you know, he's already, uh, um, you know, right seat on, a, on, a, on an A319. The, the youngest age that you can legally hold uh, a commercial pilot's license in, I guess, in Europe, but certainly in the UK, is 18. Right. So technically you could be employed at 18 years old uh, and then... The youngest you can hold an ATPL, which is an air transport pilot's license, is 21 years old. So he's got another uh, two or three years before he's able to become a captain, technically. Mm. Um, to get an ATPL, obviously you need to be 21 years old. You need to have at least 1,500 hours, which includes 500 multi-crew hours, 100 yeah. hours of night flying, and several other bits and bobs. So conceivably, after year and a half, maybe two years at EasyJet, he'll be uh, for a command upgrade. Uh, Absolutely. Which is interesting. I, I and remember, age is, is not a factor. Of, well, no. I was going to say, I, I'm reminded of um, when I used to work for, for Manx Airlines, uh, an now sadly defunct operator, uh, we actually had uh, one of our captains get his command on his 21st birthday. Wow. And uh, the, 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 there was a fair amount of sort of celebration of that fact. And, and uh, for his uh, first flight, um, they paired him up uh, with quite a relatively uh, young first officer. Um, and what they worked out was that uh, when they were doing his command line check, which uh, was him in the left-hand seat, the relatively young first officer in the right-hand seat and the training captain on the, the jump seat, the combined age of the captain and the first officer was still less than the age of the training captain. No way. <laughs> and the ironic thing was, was that they flew to the Isle of Man and the, the company had a, a contract with one of the car hire companies there for crew transport, so you simply hired a car. And here was the problem because this poor chap was uh, perfectly legally entitled to uh, command an ATP, yeah. uh, but they wouldn't hire him a car when he arrived on the island. Because he was too young, yeah, that sounds about young. right, yeah. Anyway, great yeah. news there, obviously that was from the ITV uh, website, That was that's great yeah. news. So. I, and this is good, great for this young guy, good luck to him. Yeah. Um, he's, I mean, he says, uh, what does he say, something like uh, age shouldn't be a, a, a yeah. barrier, but I, you know, I think, I'd agree with that generally. Um, but you need to have a, a certain level of, of maturity and and uh, experience when you're, you know, coming into this game. And you know, maybe necessarily 18, 19 years old, you don't have the life experience and the, um, you know, general maturity um, to progress quickly in, into command, which I'm sure this guy's hoping to do. Yeah, but I mean, absolutely. Uh, and I fly with quite a, a lot of uh, young cadet first officers, and one of the areas that we've uh, discussed on the flight deck is that the, the progression for them is going to happen quite quickly into the left-hand seat. 
and then what else do they have to look forward to for the remaining 40 years? Yeah, that's exactly the point I was about to make. I mean, it's great that he's, he's achieved his dream, but you know, what about the rest of it? What about flying the, the single engines and the twin pistons, the, the turboprops, you know, building up some real life experience yeah. in the and, and hours, the low level. I mean, he's going to be sat there now for 40 years. He's going to be bored to tears. I'm sure he doesn't think this at the moment, but no. I'm pretty sure he will be. But yeah, let's not take anything away from him. It's a fantastic achievement. It is, yeah. it is. It's in luck. Oh, uh, Absolutely. And so young, yeah, absolutely. Oh, hello. Carl, Carlos is busy oh, flying. Died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, th I think it had wings on it, to be fair, so I suppose it is vaguely Sorry, I've, I've, there's, there's, there's a load of, load of Airbus Indeed. pilots in here. I'm just trying oh, to stop it. <laughs> anyway. Don't, he's going to spit um, water out of it. Anyway, uh, on to the <laughs> final story, uh, and this one is for me. I'm so sorry about this, ladies and gentlemen. I really have lost control. Um, this is uh, it's uh, the Breaking Travel News website. You get medicine for that. What, losing control? Yeah, absolutely. Not, not, not from you lot. Um, uh, Lufthansa to roll out Wi-Fi on short-haul A320 fleet. Very exciting. In October of this year, the first Lufthansa short- and medium-haul aircraft will take off with broadband internet on board. Lufthansa's entire A320 family fleet is expected to have the innovative technology installed by mid-2018. So it's still a little way away yet, a couple of years to go at least. Uh, one key milestone has already been reached. Lufthansa Technik is the first MRO company. What's MRO? I need to know what Multi, MRO. Multi, um, roll, no, hold on, multi... Anyway, roll operator. I think it's multi roll right, operator. Okay, so anyway, Lufthansa Technique is the first MRO company in Europe to have reached the supplemental type certification from the ESAA to install a KA band antenna on the A320 family, i.e., the A319 and the A320 and the A321 models. The STC serves to verify that the modifications to the aircraft conform to the design specifications stipulated by the EAS. A said uh, specifications ensure that the aircraft continued airworthiness. The first aircraft was equipped with the technology in June. In the coming weeks, the onboard system will be tested to functionality for will be tested sorry for functionality and stability. Lufthansa passengers will likely be able to use the new internet service from October. Other airlines in the Lufthansa group will follow at a later date. The future service from Lufthansa and its technology partner Imasat is based on the latest broadband satellite technology which is in the KA band uh, and offers seamless reliable coverage on short and medium haul uh, flights through Imasat's global express network. Now I've been scanning through this just to see what the costs are. There's no indication as to what it's going to cost the pilot. Yeah, uh, Neville's pilot. quite rightly uh, correct to me. It's maintenance, repair and operations. Ah, fantastic. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks Neville. Well, it was a fairly good attempt at blagging Nick Carla, well done. Yeah, yes. all right, Al. All right. <laughs> anyway, yes, that's good. Uh, I'm on I, holiday. Yeah, indeed. I want. I wonder if we might be able to persuade Lufthansa to allow us to test their technology at um, Farnborough in order, as, order for us to get to, uh, a decent uh, online signal for when we're trying to do this uh, APG meter. But anyway, that's that's uh, a subject matter that means nothing to anyone else other than me and Nev at the moment. 
Right, okay, that is where we bring the aviation section, or the commercial section, sorry, to a close. We're going to take a very quick break, but in the meantime, make sure that you turn up your speakers loud while you refill your coffee mugs, because it's time to welcome the legend that is the main man, Mr. Micah himself. Uh, and he's talking to us about uh, air shows and the Red Arrows. The last time I attended an air show was the fall of 2007. Well, it wasn't really an air show, more of a flying circus, and not the Monty Python kind. It was a visit to the old Rhinebeck Aerodrome in Rhinebeck, New York, with my mom and dad, Harriet and Lou. As it turned out, it was the last trip the three of us ever took together, but at the time, we didn't know it would be. You may have heard my story about that trip. I called it Lou's Flight of Fancy, and it was part of the Airplane Geeks episode 339 in March of 2015. Now the old Rhinebeck Aerodrome features both original and reproduction aircraft from pre-World War I through the 1930s. Some of the flying machines in their collection include an original Blario, a Curtis Jenny, and a de Havilland Tiger Moth. They also feature seemingly perfect reproductions of a Fokker D7, a Fokker DR1 triplane, a Sopwith Camel, and a SPAD 7. On weekends from May through October, weather permitting of course, they fly these beautiful airplanes as part of a comedic soap opera type flying circus. On top of that, before the show, the old Rhinebeck Aerodrome offers barnstorming rides and an open cockpit new standard D-25 biplane from 1925. It's only a short 10 to 15 minute ride, but wow, what an amazing experience. Now you may find it hard to believe coming from me, an airplane geek in every sense of the word, but other than the old Rhinebeck Aerodrome, I've only been to one other air show. That was in Pueblo, Colorado in the fall of 1985. I'd been working out there for about a year and got my father to fly out from New Jersey to visit me that weekend and we had an amazing time. We toured a C-5 Galaxy, saw a performance of the world's smallest manned jet aircraft, and best of all, watch the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds perform in their F-16 Fighting Falcons. It was an incredible experience to share with my father, both a U.S. Army and U.S. Air Force veteran. Thinking back on the excitement we felt together, well, there are no words. Since then, I've seen the Thunderbirds a couple of other times, but only in practice runs. I've only seen the U.S. Navy Blue Angels in the same manner as they rehearsed in preparation for air shows at the Brunswick Naval Air Station up here in Maine but I've never really attended an air show since. Why, you ask? Well, the answer is simple, really. It's lonely. Sure, I love aircraft. I love to see them fly, and I love to fly in them. But had I attended an air show since then, even if I went with a friend, I'd still be alone in a crowd. I wouldn't be with someone else that really understands a connection with aviation that I feel, and can feel it with me. That can be a bit empty. In May of 2007, not long before my last trip to the old Rhinebeck Aerodrome, I traveled to London. Again, it was a trip with Harriet and Lou, my mom and dad. And yes, you may have heard about it in my story, Favorite Flights I Never Flew, that most recently appeared here on Plane Talking UK, episode 112. It was an amazing trip, and no, not just because I came close to, well, shall we say, flying with a gorgeous Singapore girl. In all honesty, I never expected that I would have the chance to return to the UK again. It just never dawned on me that the opportunity would arise. Apparently I was wrong as in just a short time from now I'll be crossing the pond for the third time in my life. 
not just to visit the UK, but to meet with friends, many of whom I've never met before, but all of whom have the same love of aviation that I do. Even better, we're all meeting not just to visit with each other, but to attend one of the greatest air shows in the world, the Farnborough International Air Show that showcases the best of the global aerospace industry. I've been thrilled about it since it was in the planning stage, and to be able to share this passion for aircraft with friends from all over the world at one of the most prestigious aviation events on the globe, well, it's mind-boggling. Now, I can't say for sure. Like the rest of us, I can't predict the future. But based on my age and, well, as my father used to put it, condition of servitude, this may indeed be the last time I'll be visiting across the pond. In some ways, it's like going to the old Rhinebeck Aerodrome like I did with Harriet and Lou, but knowing in advance it would be our last trip together. I've had that in the back of my mind for several months now, but, but not in a bad way. My thoughts have been, what an incredible way to see the best of what Great Britain has to offer in aviation. I'll be seeing the best aircraft, the best pilots, and one of the best demonstration teams in the world, the Red Arrows, but not alone. Not as an empty solitary experience, but with friends who share my passion for aviation. Friends who may understand that sometimes, when I look at an amazing aircraft, well, my eyes may leak a bit. I'll be sharing this experience within and among what I called on Airline Pilot Guy, episode 196, a community of passion. But imagine my disappointment to learn that what may be my only opportunity to ever share the passion of seeing the Royal Air Force aerobatic team, the Red Arrows, has been taken away by, well, what I'm going to call stupidity, but what is more gently referred to in our politically correct world as an overabundance of caution. This once-in-a-lifetime chance to see one of the world's greatest flying demonstration teams perform in their home sky has been revoked by the foolishness of our very litigious society. Why do I say stupidity and over-precaution? Because the decision to ground the Red Arrows was made based on a lack of facts, a lack of reality, a lack of understanding, and even worse, a lack of logic and research. You see, there's a greater chance of perishing in a traffic accident on the way to the air show than there is of being hurt by an aircraft accident while attending, even if the Red Arrows were able to perform their full demonstration. It's sad and unfortunate and something our crazy society mandates too often in this day and age. It's now come to pass that lawyers can ruin air shows. And based on this ridiculous decision, how many young people will not be inspired to join the armed forces because they did not get to see those incredible Red Arrow pilots perform their brilliant demonstration? And how many others, like me, may be missing their only opportunity to view such a wonderful airborne display by Hawk T-1s, piloted by some of the world's best aerial performers. The Red Arrows, the Royal Air Force aerobatic team, exists to fly. Their purpose is to demonstrate the professional excellence of the Royal Air Force and promote recruitment. The Red Arrows make us proud by representing the best the Royal Air Force has to offer. And inanity, fear, and litigiousness should not be allowed to clip the wings of the RAF. Perhaps the RAF themselves sums it up best in their motto, and please excuse my poor Latin. Per ardua ad astra, through adversity to the stars. For Plain Talking UK here in Portland, Maine, in the USA, this is your main man, Micah. Oh, wow, wonderful. Thank you ever so much, as always, uh, Micah. Great little section. And, uh, yeah, uh, we're all a bit gutted, really, that um, we're not going to get to have the Red Arrows uh, there when you guys come. I mean, that's it's really sad, isn't it? That, yeah. Um, that they're I not going to... It is gonna, a terrible shame. 
And, and as he says in his piece there, you know, it might be his only opportunity, if you like, to sort of see, um, see them, um, you know, sort of uh, flying. And it is really sad that we can't show them off to our, to our American guests. But um, there we yeah, are. Very we'll, much. We'll... I mean, to be fair, they're, they're, not, they're not grounded. No, I mean, but, yeah, but uh, they a, are flying. a fly past is just not the same. Yeah, is it? I, of course it's not. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, it's, it's just a shame that they're not available to do their full display, isn't it? Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, but uh, there we are, as you say, rules, rules are rules, and uh, the <laughs> but they can be broken. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think the Royal Air Force will break do, rules. Do you think? No, <laughs> you don't think there's going to be a break of protocol? And uh, what, what and we need, what we need, is a fly pass from uh, from Al and Pip. Right. You know, okay. the, the three twenty one <laughs> alongside the Hawker. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, if yeah, Pip I, I starts off now, to... and I'll catch him up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be gone by the time you even get open. <laughs> okay, all right. But I, Micah, it's, um, we're so looking forward to seeing you and everyone else in a couple yeah, of weeks. Be great. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, and I am so... Well, I'm both really, really ridiculously excited and terrified uh, of what of the challenge that myself and Neville have I ahead of us getting getting uh, them on uh, it's, it's going to be, be fine. really good well, stuff. I have to say that you between the two of you yep. you are I can't remember it's the plural of genius genii anyway I'm, I'm pretty certain <laughs> that we will put um, our American cousins to shame not only That's... in technical skills but on timekeeping <laughs> on timekeeping okay yeah, the, the, t today is perhaps not a good example of that, to be honest, as we were 10 minutes late starting, but anyway, there we are. Um, yes, so uh, on to the military section then, uh, boys and girls. So if we're all ready, ish. Woohoo! Yeah. Okay, ish. ish, right, okay, I'll take ish. Ish is, ish is very much excellent. Okay, let's go! <laughs> So, as is traditional, obviously, Carlos, you're first. Oh, I thank you, Mr. Smith. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. So, uh, the first news story on Flight Global's website today, and I have to just say, while we were having a little break there, I went and got myself a fan because it's currently extremely hot here. <laughs> anyway, so the Flight Global then are the first, headlines. First, I can say, first world problems, everyone, eh? I know. <laughs> the, uh, KC do you have a staff member to operate it for you, yeah. or do you have to do it yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's one of the electrical plug-in variety. I don't think he has. Yes, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think he's got the lovely Gemma in a in a scantily clad something or other, busy sort of fanning an aviation magazine over him or anything. <laughs> no? No. no. Although, although actually, on an offshoot from that, I have been reading the uh, book that you got me from uh, from um, Amazon, Matt. The uh, oh, Rob um, Mutz. Yeah. The Professional Pilot's uh, Guide. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Is it, how, how is it? It's really good, actually. Yeah, it's a really good book. Yeah, Rob's uh, sent, uh, messaged me and said that uh, he's going to send me the, uh, the new edition when, he, when he's finished oh, it. So that's quite cool. Yes. Anyway, right. Yes, so the first military story, if you please. Yes, the first military story is uh, Flight Global, as we said, and the headline KC... Hello. Yeah, KC390 <laughs> confirmed for Farnborough. Uh, so uh, this is the, the whole of the, the news stories for the military segment are all kind of tying around the uh, air shows that we're going to. But uh, Embraer, uh, Embraer. Is, is to give Embraer <laughs> is uh, Embraer. Oh dear, we're 
<laughs> we're going to get told, we're going to get emails because you've said it wrong now. You realise that an don't. aircraft manufacturer <laughs> with the uh, the name that begins with E is to give its <laughs> developmental KC three ninety tanker transport an international debut at the Farnborough Air Show ahead of the multinational promotional tour for the jet powered type. Uh, one of two flight test examples will make the journey across the Atlantic initially arriving on the 4th of July, which is uh, that's this week, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, at the uh, Alversa site uh, of OGMA, the Portuguese Aerostructure Supplier, which is 65% uh, owned by Embraer. The company builds parts, including the main fuselage for program, and the uh, aircraft will then transfer to the UK uh, for the show around two days later. So it will be there, hopefully, for when we're there. Uh, during its stay in Portugal, the uh, International Aero Engine V2500 powered type will be demonstrated to the Portuguese Air Force, uh, which uh, has signed a letter of intent to acquire six of the, uh, of the aircraft. Uh, these are expected to replace its Lockheed Martin C-130Hs, which are due to be retired in and around 2018. However, Portugal, which is a strategic partner in the KC-390 program, has yet to sign a firm contract uh, for the airlifters, and uh, its socialist government has shown little urgency to firm up its uh, tentative com uh, commitment. Uh, so far, Brazil, with a deal for 28 units, is the only confirmed customer for the KC-390. However, a number of other nations have signed uh, uh, letters of uh, intent covering an additional 32 examples. Uh, Embraer is confident these will be converted into firm orders, although it has no uh, time frame. And their story goes on, but uh, it'll be good to see these um, these 390s because we've covered these in, in, in quite a few stories uh, in the past on the show. Mm. Uh, so it'll be good to see one of these in the in the in the in the flesh as such. Yeah, absolutely. The fuselage as such. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's um, well, I, I, I'm, for so many reasons, I am so excited um, about uh, now being able to go to both air shows. It's re it's a real, uh, it's really exciting. Certainly in my world. There are some fantastic vending, food vending outlets at both venues. Actually, are they? Oh, <laughs> that's good news. Well, so so well as I say, I, I mean, I've sort of, uh, been chatting with uh, Micah, and he's going to uh, give me a, a sort of guided tour, if you like, of, of the the must see stands, obviously there. And I expect you to take me to the best fast food outlets, Al. If that's okay, that's oh, that. absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll go to the hog roast. That's splendid. Sure. Okay, I'll, good. I'll get a discount there. Good, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, regular user. Yeah, uh, I would have. Been able to recommend the donuts, but uh, Carlos ate them all last year. Did he? Yes. Mm, he did. No, I, he nev he's never going to. He's never going to let me forget the donut thing. No, indeed. Anyway, on to the. I can do a fantastic party trip with a donut. Actually, no, actually, no moving on. Yeah, on to the next story. The next story. It is on uh, Flight Global. <laughs> oh my goodness! And uh, actually, Carlos, if you wouldn't mind taking this one, as there's some nice pictures there, and I, I want to. Of course, uh, pop Pat. Them of up. course. So, uh, and, take it uh, away again, sir. This one is on Flight Global's website again, and it's a picture story, as Matt said. And uh, the headline, the F-35B touches down in the UK for the show debut. Yay, finally. Uh, two years after the US Marine Corps planned first transatlantic crossing with the short takeoff and vertical landing F-35B was thwarted by an engine fire, a trio of the jets have touched down at RAF Fairford in the UK. Uh, arriving at uh, the US Air Force operated site late on the 29th of June, the aircraft included two 
U.S. Uh, Marine Corps examples and one U air, uh, U.K. aircraft used to support initial operational tests and evaluation of the Joint Strike Fighter in the USA. Piloted by Royal Air Force Squadron Leader Hugh Nichols, uh, the latter, Z uh, Zulu Mike 137, is one of three delivered to the UK customer so far for this purpose. Uh, the visiting United States uh, Marine Corps aircraft are drawn from its uh, VMFAT 501 training unit, or VIMFAT training unit, uh, stationed at uh, Marine Corps Air Force Station Beaufort in South Carolina. Uh, while in the country, the F-35Bs will participate in the Royal International Air Tattoo to take place at Aria Fairford from the 8th to the 10th of July. Next weekend, that is, guys, don't forget. Uh, a show <laughs> highlight will involve the UK taking part in a formation fly-pass with a pair of Eurofighter Typhoons and the RAF Red Arrows aerobatic display team as well. After the type starring role uh, during Riyadh, Lightning Twos will also take off from the base uh, to join the flying display during the Farnborough Air Show in Hampshire. Uh, the US Air Force is also scheduled to deploy uh, the conventional takeoff and landing F-35As for both events. The United States Marine Corps declared initial operational capability with the F-35B late last year, and service entry uh, with the UK is scheduled to occur during 2018, when the Royal Air Force's 617 Squadron will begin using the fifth-generation fighter. I'm quite sure Matt's put some uh, pictures yes. on the screen yes, while I've been doing that yep. story. Absolutely, yeah, great. great um, aircraft, but yeah. finally, they're here. We can actually yep. go and see one close up rather than a, uh, a, a polystyrene see one, touch one, feel one indeed, and on that bombshell uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's very exciting really is good, uh, okay uh, on to the next story then uh, Pip, if you wouldn't mind taking this one yes, I would love to <laughs> okay I'm so ready for this are, are you? so prepared good, good uh, <laughs> I'm just building the tension here because this story is just unbelievable. Easy. Which one are we looking at? Uh, F-35 arrivals raise expectations. That'll do nicely. Bumper react. Yep, that'll that do one? lovely. That's that's kind of what I was hoping for. Yes. I hope they're not going to bumper react. That would be rather embarrassing. For them, well, indeed. <laughs> so this is another F-35 story, and I've got to say, I can almost get over the red arrows not flying if we get to see the uh, F-35 uh, having a width around the circuit. I think it'll be great to see. Mm. Anyway. For three days in early July, a normally sleepy airbase in the Gloucestershire countryside will become one of the busiest in the UK as military aircraft from around the globe descend for the annual showcase that is the Royal International Air Tattoo, otherwise known as RIAT. Tens of thousands of aviation enthusiasts and spectators will view this spectacular selection of aircraft taking part in the event from the 8th to the 10th of July, with the undisputed main attraction being the first UK appearance by Lockheed Martin's F-35. The US Marine Corps has planned to deploy the short takeoff of vertical landing B-model to Riyadh and then the Farnborough show two years ago only to have its plans thwarted at the last minute by an engine fire on a US Air Force example. There were no such drama let's start that again there was no such drama in getting the aircraft to RAF Fairford this time however with a trio of F-35Bs having touched down at the site late on 29th June. These were two United States Marine Corps examples from the service's VMFAT 501 training unit at Buford, South Carolina, 
and one of the UK's current three jets, which are being used for initial operational test and evaluation activities conducted at Elgin Air Force Base in Florida. Uh, showgoers will witness a historic first at Riyadh when a Lightning II piloted by the Royal Air Force's squadron leader, Hugh Nichols, will take part in a unique flypast, also involving a pair of RAF, Euro RAF Eurofighter Typhoons in the service's Red Arrows display team. There we go, we'll see them flying with the F-35. With the crowd-pleasing Avro Vulcan uh, XH558 having made a farewell appearance with the latter at the 2015 event, uh, the Joint Strike Fighter looks set to raise excitement levels. Sounds very exciting. It's going to be uh, it it's going to be good fun. As I, 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 and of course, in in our case, it's uh, uh, it's the it's, for me certainly, it's going to be the only opportunity this year that I do get to see the Red Arrow. So it's um, I'm I'm, re I'm really looking forward to react. I can't believe it's next weekend already. It's 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 great. Yeah, we've got a long long drive ahead of us, Matt. Yes, it's fine. It's all right. We can t we can share the driving now. I can't should we? just say I was just having a look at the website uh, a second ago, and there are still tickets available for the Sunday. For the Sunday, oh cool! Excellent. For the uh, yeah. for the air show, but so if, not, I believe, any other days. So if you are going, as I say, I think we're. All, I think well, I'm so, myself and Carlos are going to be there on the Sunday, and I think you you chaps are hopefully as well, aren't you, for Riyadh? So it's going to be a UK I have to say, it's jolly expensive. Uh, Forty nine pounds for a, a day ticket. Really? That yeah, I'm sure it wasn't that expensive in previous years. That is a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, mm, it certainly is. But under 16s are free. Yeah. And I think you can get uh, up to four under 16 tickets per adult ticket. Right. So if you've, got your, if you've got your kids, then yeah. it's uh, 50 quid for the whole day for the whole family. Yeah. So if, 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 you, if you bill it like that, actually, it doesn't seem so bad, does it? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I yeah. may be there. Yeah. Plus 50 quid per person for food. Well, yes, absolutely. Well, if you're Al, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It could get very expensive. Yes. I, mean, I tell you what, Matt, I think we should take Al to that wonderful hog roast uh, van that we went to oh, last year. Oh, yeah, that year. was amazing. Yeah, yeah. You'll like yeah. that. Was it Riyadh? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I particularly enjoyed that. I had right, good. Excellent. There, I think. Splendid. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that we should be judging air shows by the quality of their food outlet vending Oh, services. that's very important, um, that's But very uh, important. You know, but uh, there we, even, even as a non-aviation -avia expert, I, I do feel that we're you know, we're, we're, we're dropping off message at that. <laughs> so the last story is all for Captain Al. Uh, well, this comes from the, uh, the Royal Air Force website. Yay. And uh, it's also talking about uh, what's coming up uh, uh, next weekend. And it says, visitors to Royal Air Force Fairford next month will be treated to one of the Royal International Air Tattoo's show-stopping joint flypasts that over the years has become a trademark of the world's greatest military air show. I presume that the Voyager is doing some sort of fly past there. <laughs> Possibly, yeah, if, yes, they can, uh, right. get it. if they can get it in the air. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it gets up plenty of times, don't worry. Indeed. Uh, featuring the F-35B Lightning, two Royal Air Force Typhoons, and the legendary aerobatics display team, the Red Arrows, this unique combination flying together will provide one of the many highlights planned over the three-day event. The pairing of the F-35Bs and Typhoon, which together represent the fast jet component of the UK's future air defence capability, comes as the F-35B performs its first ever display outside of the US. Air Tattoo spokesman Richard Archetti said over the years the Air Tattoo has staged a number of memorable joint flypasts, many featuring the Red Arrows, most notably with the uh, US Air Force f 117A stealth fighter. Now remind me, is that the one that did the fly past at the wrong airfield? 
<laughs> I don't know, is it? Yeah, I believe the the um, the Americans sent over one of their uh, stealth fighters to do a flyby, and it flew all the way from the United States, all across the pond, did a fantastic flyby at Black Book, oh, no. and then went back to the US. Right. Um, I'm pretty certain that's fact. Is that, does that ring a bell for anyone? I can say <laughs> yeah, if that, if that is a fact. I believe it was a B-52, actually. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, came it's, over yeah. and did a whole display over Blackbush. Right. <laughs> you would have thought someone would have looked out of that aircraft, whatever it was, and looked down and noticed that the runway was only about 600 metres long and there was nobody there. Nobody there yeah. staring at it. You'd expect <laughs> large crowds, you know, and that kind of thing, and, and none, of, none of the above was, was there, yeah. Oh, yes. well, never mind. Uh, all part of the fun. Proud day for everyone everywhere. So, uh, it, it, so uh, back in 2013, the A380, a fantastic aeroplane, uh, was also uh, one of the highlights of the air show. And, of course... Nobody can forget the uh, the Vulcan from last year as it did its uh, final series uh, of tours. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Archetti goes on to say the forthcoming air show will see us continue the tradition of presenting aerial spectacles that have uh, rarely or never been seen before. I'm sure everybody will be reaching for their cameras. Uh, there are to two highlights next month include displays by the USAF F-22 Raptor, a Dutch Apache helicopter which I saw their display last year, and it was absolutely stunning for a helicopter thing. And uh, for a the helicopter historic thing. battle of Britain Memorial Flight, which is always a treat. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. The Royal Air Force International Tattoo, which is staged in support of an RAF charitable trust, takes place at Fairford next weekend, for anybody who forgot. Indeed. Uh, hello. Uh, and other rare and never-seen-before events happening this year include... Captain Nick hugging a Boeing and Captain Al eating a salad. Salad, so get don't, your be ready. <laughs> don't be ridiculous. Don't swear at him like Every that. Every you'll find me eating a salad is if it's that stuff that they put in your burger to give it a bit of colour that I normally whip out. Right, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It's, uh, I mean, what, uh, why do people put salad in a burger? What is the point? Uh, it, it, well, I don't know. Uh, it, it, one it's, might... to make, it's to make you feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a gherkin in there as well and, and, and all is well. Uh, good morning, by the way, uh, to Matthias, who's, uh, who's watching in Switzerland. Hello to you uh, again. Hello. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. If you're Swiss-German. Oh, I, I see. Right, yes. Sorry, I was going <laughs> I'm unsure if you're French. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Right, okay. This is, this so, is... um, Riyadh, then. It's going to be fantastic. It is. And yeah. as will Farnborough. Uh, on, um, on Sunday, yes, we're going to do a show. We're going to do uh, episode 120. Episode 120 of the Plain Talking UK podcast will come live from Riyadh, all being well. So uh, that is where we're going to episode, wrap up episode 119. Uh, I, I'm, I can't believe we've successfully got to this point of the show with so few technical errors, to be brutally honest. So, um, from the chaps, uh, so Pip, where actually are you at the moment? Do you say you were near Heathrow? Yeah, I'm at the um, Marriott Windsor Heathrow. Cool. And you're uh, at. They call it Windsor, but it's actually Slough. Right. <laughs> nice, <like> classy. Yeah. <laughs> quite, a, quite a difference. <laughs> it is quite a difference, isn't it? Yes. But then if, 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 you, if you said the word Slough in your, in your hotel accommodation thing, I don't think anybody would ever book it, would they? <laughs> quite right. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so, and you're on standby, I presume, at the moment, Pip. Yeah, actually, my standby's finished now, so I'm going to pack up my bags and go home. Excellent. Fantastic. Hey. And uh, Al, where, 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 might you be in the in the world today? 
He's in his uh, underground I'm, nuclear bunker. Ah, right. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm underground in the bunker right. at home. Okay, well done. Uh, and uh, I think I'm on standby as well, actually. I right. I really check. No, okay, good. Um, <laughs> Comforting. Uh, so hundreds of passengers all yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, hundreds of passengers all waiting. waiting to fly on holiday, <laughs> and they've got no pilots yeah. royal jet. Yeah, it, it, uh, my standby finishes at uh, 1300 Zulu, so I've got a little bit of time to go yeah. yet. Um, but I'm quietly confident that I won't be needed. Excellent. Good news. So, uh, thank you, chaps. As always, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, you've been surprisingly well-behaved. I'm very proud of you both. Well done. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Carlos, uh, the time has come, I think, where we need to let you go back to your holiday. Really? Yeah. Oh, I was I'm quite so- enjoying this. Yeah, no, I'm sorry about that. You know, you- you're going to have to go and sit on a sun lounger for another couple of hours before you come home, because you're flying home tomorrow, is that right? Yes, we fly home tomorrow morning, yep. uh, around about 9am, I think it is. Tomorrow is that with morning. Ryanair or Air Malta? <laughs> we are flying home with Malta's um, airline, Air Malta. Right, OK. And we will good. be yeah, flying yeah, okay. home no, on an Airbus. Um, how was the service on, on the way out? Was it, was it good? <laughs> uh, actually, I have, to, I have to say, I have to admit, I have to tell you a, a quick little story, being so we've got a few minutes to go. Uh, oh, have and, <laughs> and I did. Um, I did when we landed at, at, uh, at Luca Airport. I did um, wait for all the, you know, the the other Minions. people who have no interest <laughs> in flying whatsoever to get off the aircraft. Uh, and then I proceeded to uh, to go up to the flight deck and uh, was invited in by the uh, by the uh, first officer, who, um, who let me sit down and I had a little chat with him. And then the uh, captain came in and we all sat there and had a good chat and a. And a, and a Good old, good old-fashioned English yarn. Right. And um, I was actually so late getting off the plane that I deplaned with all the crew, oh, no. <laughs> uh, including the flight crew, and um, had to go in a different entrance into the airport um, through security right. uh, because it was so late off. But they, they okay. were they were fine with that. Actually. Okay. Good. But, well, um, I, I, yeah. I think I'm pleased for you. Um, I, I, how did Gemma take your your, your late arrival? <laughs> Oh, she, she, they were waiting for me, actually. Used to control. it, I dare say, uh, yeah. She's used to it. She's obviously used oh, to it. Your poor Gemma so deserves oh. much, so much better than you, Carlos. <laughs> oh. oh, you put her through. <laughs> Indeed. Well, yeah, it, but it, it was, it, but they, they were really kind. They were really kind, Gemma, for their time. Yeah. So um, if, if I know a couple of the the, uh, the guys have got, I give them cards, so they may be listening to the show live. Yes. So uh, to, to both the captain and, and first officer of uh, our flight out last Sunday, yep. thank you very much. Uh, and, uh, they might be in the air. To, uh, yeah, looking forward to flying back uh, back tomorrow morning. Well, not actually looking forward to flying home. No, to the UK, no, indeed. Uh, no. But, but looking forward to getting on board um, a lovely Airbus aircraft tomorrow. Excellent. Okay, well, so was that your first visit to uh, an A320 flight deck? No, Al, it's not. It's uh, one of many. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you would describe yourself as a fan, then, would you? Uh, no, actually, this here is a fan. I've got a fan here. <laughs> this, this is a fan here. But, I mean, you obviously feel feel the need to keep going back to the A320 <laughs> flight, I guess. And, well, uh, unfortunately, how, how the many, problem how many is... TriStar um, flight decks have you visited? <laughs> Unfortunately, Air, um, Air Malta are yet to um, to sell their aging fleet of Airbus 320s and, and purchase some, oh, no. some lovely Boeings. 
<laughs> right, okay. Uh, look, gentlemen. Well, I mean, uh, why would they want to downgrade? I mean, okay, okay, enough, enough, gentlemen, issues? enough. <laughs> it is time to pull the. I, I say, say, Pip's nodded off, Pip's bless him. Asleep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it really is where we have you to know, bring. I, I can't, honestly, I'm going to say it before we, before we close the show. I cannot wait to, to, to uh, meet you again, Pip, and obviously meet you as well, Al. Next yeah, it's going to be good fun. It's going to be really good fun. Uh, from all of us here, then, in the studio, it is. Uh, I say all of us, it's just me, it's only little old me. So from Matt here in the studio, it is goodbye, Carlos. Goodbye. And from the legend that is Pilot Pip and, of course, Captain Al, thank you so much, gents. It's been a lot of fun, as always. Goodbye, guys. Adios. From all of us here, it is goodbye. Bye. Woo. Bye. Woo.